Would you take your Bibles and turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6. We're in a series of messages on godly principles for godly living. And for the next couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about one of the major principles in a Christian's life that probably we know as little about as any of the principles that we'll be discussing. And that principle is on prayer. You say, well, pastor, everybody knows how to pray. No, not everybody knows how to pray. In fact, the disciples did not know how to pray. The disciples came before the Lord Jesus Christ, and they said, Lord, teach us how to pray. You say, well, pastor, I tried to pray. And and seems like sometimes my prayers don't get no further than the rooftops of the building. You may sort of be like Ziggy. I was uh, noticing the other week that it's there in the uh, comic strip. And Ziggy was up on top of a mountain and he was looking up to the mountain, uh, on, on top of that mountain and looking up into the sky. And he says, have I been put on hold forever? <laughs> Sometimes we feel that way, don't we? Sometimes we feel that when we pray, that God doesn't hear our prayers. We sometimes pray and it just seems as if it goes no further than the roof of where we're, where we're standing. And yet the Lord Jesus Christ teaches us something very, very, very important about prayer. Now, I do believe people do believe the importance of prayer. 78% of people, uh, as Gallup Poll had discovered that 78% says we pray at least once a week. 78%. 56% says that we pray once a day. Well, that's very important because what that tells me is, is that people realize the essence and the importance of prayer. That there are results that does come and come only through prayer. And so, the Lord Jesus Christ is teaching us some divine principles here in this passage of Scripture. And we're going to be looking at those principles here today. So with your Bible open, would you stand with me in reverence of reading God's holy word? Matthew chapter 6. And we're going to begin reading in verse 5. Nobody knows more about prayer than the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Lord Jesus Christ is teaching us some godly principles here today. And so I encourage you to write some of these principles down that you will remember of when you go into that closet of prayer. Listen to what the Bible says, starting in verse 5. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathens do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them. 
For your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask Him. Isn't that important? I have that underlined written in my Bible, that the Father already knows the things that we're in need of. But yet the Father asks us to ask Him those things that we're in need of. Listen to what he says. And then it says, he gives us that model of prayer. He says, and in this manner, therefore, pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation. But deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And for if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father will forgive your trespasses. Father, in Jesus' name, we come together as a body of believers, as little children gathering around the knee of the Father and saying, Lord, teach us how to pray, that our prayers might be effective, that our prayers might be heard, that our prayers might be answered. And so, Lord, we come as little children seeking your blessings and for your understanding on how to pray. Thank you, dear Lord, for giving us the privilege, as Paul says, to come boldly before the throne of God and to make our requests made known unto you. And so, Lord, we pray that you will teach us, that you will empower us, and that you will bless us as we come before your presence today. Anoint us with your your words as we bring forth the words of God to your people. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. The question is, how do you get connected with God? The question is, how can you pray and know that God hears your prayers and that He not only hears your prayers, He answers and He responds to that prayer that you have requested? Well, the Lord lays down before us three simple, simple, great truths concerning prayer. First of all, I want you to notice, if you'll go back and look with me in verse 5. He says, when you pray, number one, pray secretly. Listen to what the Bible says in verse 5. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues, on the corners of the street, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. Look in verse 6. But when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Isn't it interesting? In verse 5, verse 6, and verse 7, he doesn't say if you pray, but he says when you pray. He's automatically assuming that you're going to pray. 
He's assuming that you are a student of prayer. He's assuming that you have a desire of coming before the Father and making your intercessions known unto Him when you pray. Now, the Pharisees, he compares uh, praying to the Pharisees. He says, don't be like the Pharisees. Pharisees love to parade their spiritual stuff out in the open. They love to parade their spirituality in public places. Every day afternoon, they would give the sacrifices. And there they would sound the trumpets. And there when the trumpets would be sounded, the Pharisees knew exactly where to be, where the most people would be at that particular time. And they'd just stop whatever they were doing. And they would just start praying. And they would have all these flowery words. But the Lord says that their prayers were shallow. The Lord says that their prayers was hollow. The Lord's saying that their prayers had no meaning to whatsoever. All the thing they wanted to do was to be seen of men. Now, certainly the Lord is not condemning us to pray in public because I believe there are those times that when we pray in public that is so important. We do that when we come in an open assembly such as this today. As we come together, we come as a body of believers and and I or one of the pastors or someone will lead us into prayer, representing the whole body before the God that we serve today. So there's nothing wrong praying in public. That's not what Jesus is talking about. In fact, Jesus prayed in public. He prayed there upon the cross. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Seven different times he prayed out loud, and he prayed publicly. And then, of course, on the day of Pentecost, they were having a prayer meeting when the Holy Spirit of God came and came to invest into the lives of those new believers. They were praying publicly. So there's nothing wrong praying publicly. Some people can pray in public. Some people don't feel comfortable in praying in public. But I think what the Lord Jesus Christ is talking about most importantly here is that we go in our secret places. And that as we go into our secret places, into our closets, or into our rooms, that we're not being seen of men, but it's just you and the Father. I think it's interesting as you began to look at this passage of Scripture that, that the Pharisees were praying, and it seems like there were nobody on the other end of that prayer life or that particular prayer. Sort of reminds me of a lawyer, a young lawyer who just graduated from law school. He's just opening up shop. And uh, he was trying to impress people about that he was a lawyer and he was opening up shop. He heard somebody walk up to the door of his office. And so immediately he picks up the phone and he starts talking to impress that individual. And he said, oh, yes, I see that uh, uh, I have an appointment on that particular day, but I am busy to be able to uh, take any more appointments. You must call back and talk to my secretary, and she will give you a time and a time and place where we can come and talk. And about that time, he hangs up the phone, and he sees the guy as he's walking in the door, and he says, yes, come on in. How can I help you? 
He said, I'm from the telephone company. I'm here to uh, plug up your telephone. <laughs> a lot of times when we pray, we pray a lot like that. There's nobody on the other end. We're praying and it seems as if God is a thousand miles away. And so it could be very well be because that our prayers is not focused upon who we're praying to. And so here you began to notice. I remember when I was in Korea for several weeks. One of the greatest experiences of my life was when I went up into the prayer mount. Over in uh, South Korea, in Seoul, they have what they call a prayer mount. And I remember going up there one Friday night. And they had what they called a prayer meeting. Well, when they said a prayer meeting, I sort of thought that as they were telling me about the prayer meeting, it was probably like one of our prayer meetings on a Wednesday night. Maybe a few people there. A few people gathered around and prayed. But when I got through the prayer mount, there were literally thousands of Christians there to pray. I walk into the prayer mountain, and there they had little bitty closets. And there you would see people in those little bitty closets. And there they're on their knees. And you know what? They would pray all night long. No wonder when I come on Sunday morning and when the message was preached that there would be literally hundreds of people walk the aisles giving their heart and their lives to the Lord Jesus Christ. I've never seen a movement a movement of the power of God like I saw in Seoul, Korea. Their services starts at 7 o'clock that morning. And every hour and a half, they would have another service all the way up till 7 o'clock that evening. And there would be so many people trying to get in and out of those churches that they would almost be bumping into one another. It was amazing. The power of God. Why was all that so important. It's, I believe it was related right back to that prayer meeting. Oh, if we could ever come to a point and understand the importance of prayer. If we ever could understand the power that is in prayer. I remember when I was in Africa. We were in the bush country. And in the bush country, the, they would have little thatched huts. And they would be so close together that there was hardly any privacy whatsoever. But God was moving among the Maasai's that was so amazing that there in that bush country, that those Maasai's, they felt and realized the importance of prayer so much that they would spend literally hours a day in prayer. Here's what they would do because of lack of privacy in their huts, they would go out behind their huts and there they would find them an altar and they would build them an altar and there they would begin to pray. And it got to a point of where they were so efficient in their prayers that you could see the trail that they had beaded down the, the grass and the weeds and all along there, you could see where they had made that trail day after day after day after day. Praying, seeking a holy God. These were Maasai's that had come to know the power and the importance of prayer. But I thought it was interesting. Some of them had gotten weak 
in their prayer life. And there in those trails, grass began to grow back. Grass and weeds began to grow back. And it showed that they had not been faithful into their prayer life. And somebody would ask one of them, says, what's wrong with your prayer track? What's wrong with your prayer track? And what they were saying was, why aren't you praying like you used to pray? I would like to ask our own self to that very question today. What's wrong with our prayer track? We say and talk a lot about prayer, but how little do we do it? But there's something about the power of prayer. There's something about getting away between you and the Father and talking and making your intercessions known unto the Lord. So number one, he says, when you pray, he says, I want you to to understand that you need to pray secretly. But not only do you want to pray secretly, but also when you pray, look in verse 7, pray sincerely. Pray sincerely. The Bible says in verse 7, and when you pray, there's that phrase again, the third time in this passage of Scripture, when you pray, do not use vain repetition as the heathens do. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. He's talking about the repetition of praying. Saying the same words over and over and over and over again. Words that you may have heard others pray. And so they're not coming from your heart. They're coming from your lips. Have you ever listened to somebody pray publicly and you can almost tell what word they're going to say next because they prayed the same prayer over and over and over and over and over again every time they pray publicly? You can tell a great deal about a person like that. My friend, I want you to understand that when you pray, do you pray from your heart or do you pray from your lips? There's a big difference. Buddhists, they have what is known as their prayer wheels. There's certain denominations have what is known as the rosary or their beads, and they pray the same prayer over and over and over again. Heard about a little girl one time. She was spending the night with her uh, grandmother, and as they were getting ready to go to bed, go to bed her grandmother said, uh, Honey, have you said your prayers tonight? She says, No, I didn't say my prayers tonight. He says, well, why didn't you say your prayer? said, well, he's already heard that prayer, so he already knows what's on my heart. I think that's exactly the way a lot of us are. God's already heard what we've said before. But we need to pray sincerely. You can sum up most prayers something like this. Thank you, Lord, for your blessings. Continue to bless us, and we'll continue to thank you. And we just kind of sum it all up in that particular aspect. I remember hearing what John Bunyan said one time about prayer. Listen to what he said. When you pray, it would be better to let your heart be without words than to let your words be without heart. Isn't that true? It would be better. But then I think about what Charles Spurgeon said. Charles Spurgeon said this, the prayer of the heart is the heart of the prayer. There's something about coming together and, and praying that God might hear and knowing that you have an intimate prayer life with a holy God. 
Verse 8 tells us, look what he says in verse 8. Therefore, do not be like them. For your father knows the things that you have need of before you even ask him. You say, well, pastor, if that's the case, why would God want me to pray something if he already knows what I'm getting ready to ask? Well, number one, because he commands you to pray it. He commands you to pray it. And as he commands you to pray, what he's doing, he's allowing you to be engaged with him in doing something supernatural. Something supernatural in your life. Have you ever thought about the awesome opportunity that the God of this creation has allowed you to come in before his very presence and that he has attentive ear to what you've got to say? You'd try to call the president today, and I dare say you would be able to get a hold of him. You'd try to call the president today, I dare say you would even be able to get his top officials because of their being so busy. But yet, my friend, you've got somebody that you can get attention to that is far greater than the president of this United States. You don't have to have an appointment. You don't have to worry about waiting in line. You don't have to worry about being placed on hold. You don't have to worry about wondering if he's going to give you attentive ear. But anytime, any place, anywhere, he is there ready to hear your prayers. And so, friend, we need to take advantage of that. Why is it that we do so little praying? So we need to pray sincerely, praying from our heart. James chapter 4 verse 2 tells us something that is very important. He says, you do not have because you do not ask. You have a need, there's not a need in your life that prayer cannot answer and meet that need. And so James has said, you do not have because you ask not. So I challenge you people. When we come to think about the needs within our church, come to think about the needs within our own life, come to think about the needs within our own family, come to think about the needs within our own community, we can come before a holy God and bring those needs before Him and to know that He hears and He answers those prayers. So we need to pray. We need to pray secretly, get along by ourselves. We need to pray sincerely. We need to pray from our heart. But then when we pray, what the Lord's done, He's done something so beautiful that He's given us a model. And there it is. Thirdly, we need to pray systematically. Systematically. Now, if you'll notice when Jesus prayed, He didn't just pray randomly. When Jesus gives a model, he didn't just give us a model of, of saying a bunch of words. A lot of people think that, that uh, real praying is taking this model prayer and just repeating it. That's not what the Lord was wanting us to do. He's not necessarily telling us to repeat these words and that these words are some type of magic formula. But what he is doing, he has given you a systematic way of how to pray. Think about it. 
There's four ways that he teaches us how to pray. First of all, he says in verse 9 and 10, you need to start with praise. That as I began to pray, I need to start with praise. Listen to what the Bible says in verse 9 and 10. Our Father in heaven. In other words, number one, he talks about that we must be children. He is our Father. We are children of the Heavenly Father. Now, I want you to notice, he didn't say pray to the Father, but pray to your Father. Listen to what he says. How will it be your name? Our Father in heaven, how will it be your name? Your kingdom come, your will will be done. You pray to your Father. Prayer is a child coming before a Father, coming before the Lord himself. And then he says, how will it be thy name? The word hallowed. We sung just a few moments ago, holy, holy, holy. We think about as we stand in the presence of this holy one, realizing that we're standing on holy ground, that we're not talking about just anyone, but we're talking about a God that his name is hallowed, that he is mighty. He is the master. He is the king. He is the Lord. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the Alpha and the Omega. He is majestic. And as we come before Him, we come with words of praise and of thanksgiving. Oh, my friend, I want you to understand one of the greatest important part of your prayer is that time as you magnify His name. You recognize that He is hallowed and holy. Prayer is not telling God, what is on your mind? Prayer is finding out what's on his mind. Prayer is not telling him what your will is. Prayer is finding out what his will is for you. Prayer is finding out and recognizing who he is. But number two, not only does he tells us to start with praise, but secondly, he says, share your petition. Look what he says in verse 11. Give us this day our daily bread. Now, why did he use the word bread? Bread is a reminder to us today. It is, it is something that means represents survival. It means it represents our need. You cannot live without bread. And so there are certain needs that we have that we are reminded of. Give us this day our daily bread bread. So we come before the Lord and we bring before him what our needs are, not what our wants are. That's why the problem with most people today, they're so important. They're so mindful of bringing before God of what their wants are instead of what their needs are. James chapter 4 verse 3 tells us something. It says, you ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. Selfish prayers. The Bible says God shall supply all of our needs, all of our needs according to His riches and glory. 
There's not a need that you have that God is not able to meet that need. And so, as I come before Him, I start with praise. Hallowed be Thy name. I share my petition. I bring before Him my petitions, my needs before Him. What is your need here today? Is it physical? Is it spiritual? Is it mental? Is it financial? What is your need? My friend, we've got a mighty God that is able to supply and meet all the needs that you have here today. And God is wanting to remind you of that and demonstrate that of you. But it's by faith. It's by faith that we come before our holy God. It's by faith that we accept and Bring before our petitions. So number one, we start with praise. Number two, we share our petitions. Number three, we seek God's pardon. Look what the Bible says in verse 12 of this passage of Scripture. And forgive us of our debts as we forgive our debtors. Now, there's something that we need to come to understand that when we come before the Lord in our prayer life, we cannot come with a dirty vessel. We must come with a clean vessel. And so what do we do? We come seeking two things. Number one, we come seeking forgiveness and we come seeking to forgive. We have a two-way street. Not only my relationship with my father, but also my relationship with my brothers and sisters in the Lord. Don't think that you can have a proper relationship with your father if you don't have a good relationship with your brother and sister in the Lord. It's amazing to me of how many couples today, how many families today, they'll fuss and fight and they'll come to church and then when they get to church, all of a sudden they're all holy and they're all religious and, and, and spiritual. My friend, I want you to understand, I don't know about you, but you, you, I'm sure you're just like me. Have you ever found that, that coming to church on Sunday morning that the devil has a heyday with us sometimes? If the kid's ever going to act up, that's when they're going to act up is on a Sunday morning. You're going to get up late. You're going to burn the toast. It just seems like everything goes wrong. And, and, and we're fussing and fighting, and then all of a sudden, when we get out of our cars, for some unknown reason, we all of a sudden become this super-duper spiritual person. We're all right now. We're ready to go to the house of the Lord and to worship today. Well, my friend, I want you to understand that worship starts before you ever get here. Cleansing starts before you ever get here. And so what we need to make sure is that I'm in my proper relationship with my wife and my husband and my fellow brothers and sisters in the Lord. I have found and seen so many people that will want to come before the Lord and bring their needs before the Lord that won't speak to their own brothers and sisters of the Lord. What a shame. What a tragedy. What a shame and tragedy. Come to the house of the Lord and somebody has offended you or upset you and you won't speak. Sort of like the man and woman that goes to bed at night and they'll get as far away as they can from each other and, and, and uh, they won't say a word to each other and they go to bed just like that. 
Well, my friend, the Bible says, don't let the sun go down upon the wrath of one another. Let us come and confess our sins. And I think it's so important that as I come in my prayer life, I need to come seeking the blessings of the Lord's of his forgiveness. I come confessing. You do understand that confession of sin is a part of prayer. The Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, that if I confess my sins, he is faithful and just to forgive and to cleanse me from all of my unrighteousness. Then I'm able to come and be able to get and make things right with my brother and my sister. Some of you need to go home today and apologize to one another. Some of you need to go home and say, you know, I didn't treat you right yesterday. I said a sharp word to you. I ask you to forgive me. Because, friend, you cannot have separation of fellowship and have fellowship, separation of fellowship of brothers and sisters and try to have fellowship with the Father in heaven. But fourthly, number one, We are to start off with praise. Number two, we are to share our petitions. Number three, we are to seek God's pardon. Number four, we are to secure God's power. Look what the Bible says in verse 13. The first part of verse 13. And do not lead us into temptation, but to deliver us from the evil one, but to deliver us from the evil one. My friend, when you come become a Christian, you've gained a friend, but you've also gained an enemy. And that enemy is Satan. And Satan knows that if he can keep you from praying, he knows he can defeat you every single time. What is the Lord telling us? Lead us not into temptation. Lead us not into the temptation that Satan tries to bring upon us to hinder and to hamper. See, friend, I want you to understand, you're at war. There is a warfare that is going on. And one of the greatest areas of warfare is when you're on your knees. I'm reminded over in Ephesians 6, after he begins to talk about putting on the whole armor of God. And he says, after you've done all this, put on the whole armor of God, then pray. Pray, because it's through prayer that we find deliverance. It's through prayer that we find deliverance from defeat, from discouragement, and from that time that would hinder us from wanting to pray. What so many times is that so many people spend so much of their time confessing their sins when they should be spending time thanking God for the conquering of those sins. Pray. I remember hearing about Billy Graham. Billy Graham was in a crusade in Fort Lauderdale. And a friend of mine that uh, was on the stage with Billy Graham asked him a question before the service. He says, Dr. Graham, he said, let me ask you a question. Looking back over your ministry, What would be some of the greatest times of your life? Thinking, probably, well, those times that I spent, those moments of 
spending time with the presidents of the United States or the heads of state or preaching to the literal hundreds and thousands of people. What were some of the greatest times of your life? Without a moment of hesitation, Billy Graham looked at him and he says, let me tell you the greatest times of my life is when I have spent alone with my God and I have felt his fellowship and his presence and his power. I thought, wow. But you know what? You don't have to be a Billy Graham to experience that. Every single one of you can have that ability and that opportunity to come before the mighty God of this universe and to be able to come before His mighty presence. Do you have a need in your life today? And that need's not going to be met in any other way except unless God comes and He meets that need. Reminds me of a story one time. There was this little boy who was out in the front yard and his dad was watching him from the kitchen window. And this little boy was trying to move this big rock. And he was there pushing and shoving and pulling and tugging. All that he could possibly could do was trying to move that little rock. About that time, the father went out and said to him, Son, son, you got a problem? He says, Yes. He said, I'm trying to move this rock. He says, well, have you used all your strength? He said, yes, I have. And the father says, no, you haven't. And the little boy says, what do you mean? He said, you hadn't asked me. My friend, could that possibly be said about what God's saying to us today? Have you used all that is available to you? Oh, I've tried. Well, have you asked God? He is available. And my friend, I want you to understand, God loves you far greater than you can ever possibly imagine. God wants your prayers to be answered greater than you want them to be answered. You say, well, why don't we go ahead and answer them? Well, he's going to answer them. He'll answer them one of four ways. He'll answer them yes, no, wait, or no, this is not the right time. So he's going to answer them one way or another. But he's seeking you to to engage with him in this endeavor. How's your prayer track? Are you walking into that day by day by day by day moments of prayer? Today would be the day that you might want to start that back today. Father, in Jesus' name, your word is wonderful and mighty. No wonder the disciple says, Lord, teach us how to pray. Because there's so little we know about prayer. We talk a lot about it, but we do very little as far as praying. Oh, God, forgive us. Forgive us of those times of where we have failed to 
come before your presence today and to seek your holy face and to spend that time of fellowship and to bring our petitions known unto you and to come and to seek your pardon, your forgiveness, and your cleansing. Oh God, thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit that you have placed within our hearts that he might give us protection over the enemy. Oh, thank you, Lord, for this great and wonderful opportunity of prayer. Lord, the greatest prayer that a person could ever pray is a prayer of a sinner. Dear Jesus, I'm a sinner. I confess to you I have sinned and I'm lost. But I believe in my heart that God had allowed you to die upon a tree, buried and rose again. I confess you as my Lord and Savior. Come into my life and to save me. Lord, that is a prayer that every single man, woman, boy, and girl needs to pray if they have not prayed it already. And I pray that that would be the results even here today. God, challenge us today that we might be known as people of prayer. God, challenge our church that our church might be known as a house of prayer coming before the Lord Himself. So, Lord, speak as only you through these days of the, this time of difficulty as we think about this going on around this world, that we can always have that hope as we come before your presence today. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.